Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode seven, and I am Delton Brack, your host this evening, along with my wife, Haley. Hello there. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it is already episode seven. Episode seven. It's been ridiculous in terms of how much we've gotten done, but it's good. We're getting recordings, or sorry, recordings. We're getting listenings, viewers, listeners, whatever it's called, and it's doing good. High five. High five. That was terrible. One more time. Putty high five. High five. There we go. All right, so in usual Malthouse Games fashion, we're drinking with the episode, even though it's early afternoon. It's a Sunday. It's okay. It is a lazy Sunday for us. And it's almost five, like 13 minutes till five. It's getting there. And so today, our first beer is the Anthem Brewing Company here in Oklahoma. It is their OK Pills, which is an American Pilsner. It's 5.5 alcohol by volume, and it's a delicious, refreshing little Pilsner. Um, I actually like Pilsners quite a bit, and so it's a really good one that we like to have. Even though it's winter and it doesn't really fit into the winter months, it's still good. It's a little warm to be winter today. Like, I know we had the Ouroboros, which is another Anthem beer. It's a very much a darker beer. And we thought about drinking that today, but it's about 70 degrees outside, even though it's January. So it just really didn't seem fitting. We need like a springy beer today. So I thought that the Pilsner and the beer we'll have on the second half of the show will be better. I don't have as much sediment in mind this time. This beer is nice and clear. There is no sediment to be poured, so that helps out in terms of what Haley has to drink. I still do not forgive you for that sediment in the blood orange beer. It was still a good beer, though. You didn't have the sediment in the glass. I didn't, but even with it, I know that you enjoyed it. It was good. Still, I don't forgive you. This beer is very good as always. I'm going to say cheers to episode seven. For those of you listening who are just tuning in for the first time or fairly new, this is a podcast about tabletop games the people who play tabletop games, what we talk about while we play tabletop games, and everything involving them, which means board games, role-playing games, card games, but mostly board games and card games. But we will talk about role-playing games here and there. We've had a good week so far in board gaming. We've been using your app quite a bit. So Delton got a new app that imports his board game geek collection and allows him to keep stats while we play games. Yeah, so it's the board game stats app. And it is a paid app, which was kind of a sad thing for me, but it's a very, very good app. I did pay extra for the challenges, which helps us hold our 10 by 10 that we talked about in episode six. And it allows us to, with another charge, which sucked, but it allows us to get more, um, they call it insights, and it's more advanced statistics. So each game we play, it keeps your score counts and gives you pie charts of who you play with, where you play, the number of counts you play, and all kinds of statistics, which is really cool. See, we've already have how many plays in our 10 by 10? I think we've got four out of 100. So, I mean, <laughs> we're getting there. It's just, it's going to take a minute. It seemed like we made a lot more progress than that. I guess I was, we have played a lot of games, just they really haven't been in our 10 by 10. Exactly. But we have it the entire year to go. So that helps. How many hours have we logged so far in January? I want to say, I'm not sure. I'll take a look. I can't reach my phone. It is a pretty good amount. I want to say we're close to 10 hours. Just 10? I think so, but we've been playing shorter games. We haven't played a lot of heavy games this month. I guess that's true. We have played Patchwork like 35 times, it feels like. Played a lot of Patchwork and Cat Lady and Number 9 and a lot of our favorites. Which isn't a bad thing. But we got to play with some friends, Mac and Cass, which was really good. It was their first time to play games with us. And then we played with our friends, Zach and Sarah, again, which was awesome. It's always good, and so... We've just been playing a lot of games. We play with Allison tomorrow, and so everything's been going good, playing a lot of games, having a good time. It's been great. 
What are we going to show Brittany and Caroline this week? We should make them play a game. I'm not sure what we could show them. I mean, we can figure something out, even if we just play Shifty-Eyed Spies, because it's hilarious. Oh my god, can you imagine Brittany playing Shifty-Eyed Spies? Oh, it would be great. She would probably hate it. She has these big, beautiful brown eyes that are the most expressive things ever. You always know how she's feeling based on her eyeballs. So I wonder, I wonder if her tail has to do with her eyes. I, I could see her tail having something to do with her eyes. It might be. We might have to play something like, uh, I don't know, Spyfall or something that's got a, a lying aspect. That way we can see exactly what she's doing. Oh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be a good one for sure. But it's been good. We've been playing a lot. January's going well. We're playing with a lot of friends, playing with new friends, or at least uh, playing with friends we haven't played before with. I'm making I don't know friends. if that sentence made any sense whatsoever. It is Lazy Sunday, though. Yeah, we haven't accomplished much today. We, like, filled up the fish tank and made pancakes, and we took a shower. We did. We finally showered before this episode. That way we could refresh ourselves before we start drinking. You have your hella tight lobster pants on. I have my stud puffin pants. I also have my awesome game night t-shirt that I got from my uh, Reddit Secret Santa. This shirt is awesome. It's basically a play on Fight Club, and it's a play on four of the rules. And so it's like, you know, the first rule is you do not talk about game night. Second rule is you don't talk about game night. Uh, What's the third and fourth? The third rule of game night is games go on as long as they have to. Fourth rule is if it is your first night at game night, you must play. It's probably the coolest gift in terms of what somebody just kind of created and had made. So it's awesome. I love it to death. Our Secret Santa for that did really well. Do you think they had that custom made? Oh, yeah, you'd have to. I think you would have to. Well, the thing is, um, I had posted on Reddit. Somebody said, I want to make a poster for my Secret Santa, and they have a lot of board games. What can I do? And my comment was it would be cool to blend Fight Club and the board games with board game rules. But I told them I'm a big Fight Club fan. So they had to have gotten it from that, which is just the perfect opportunity to go in and snatch that comment and make it into something. Wow, that person put in a lot of effort. I feel really bad for our recipient now. Well, I looked at our recipients and they don't comment a lot. It's mostly browsing from what I could find. Yeah. And so it was really hard to come up with something, which is why I chose Garden Dice, which is a roll and write game. I can't think of the company that makes it, but um, it's farming based and she likes farming and growing vegetables and herbs and all that. And so I picked that one out and I also sent her a book in, in the genre that she likes. So I thought that was pretty good for you know, what we had to do. We didn't have a lot to work with, and so I just kind of did my best with what I had and the amount of money we could spend. Nearly two dozen dollars. I think it was a little over. It was almost 30, which wasn't bad with shipping and all. Over two dozen dollars. There you go. That's how you look at it. So today's been a nice, lazy Sunday. We cleaned up the backyard a little bit, filled up the fish tank, like Haley said. We cleaned our uh, our windows. The backside, I guess it's the west side of our house, has three basically door-sized windows. They are like French doors or used to be or something. So we cleaned all of those up and got those nice and clean, as well as the dining room window. Cleaned all the cat paw smudges off. Our cats like to attack the door when they see birds. And sometimes they get their face too close and get little nose smudges all over them. So we got those cleaned up. It's nice and clean. Speaking of cats, if you hear a meowing in the background, that is Steve, the fat orange cat. And if you hear him, take that as your cue to take a drink of whatever you're drinking. If it's water and you're at work, if it's Dr. Pepper on the road, or if it's a beer in the evening, take a drink of whatever you got, and that way you're uh, fitting in with what we do here. Just don't take a beer at work. Unless your work allows that, then that's awesome, and I'm jealous. Where can I send my resume? Yeah, exactly. I'd love to be able to drink at work if I ever feel inclined to do so. But still, that would be amazing. Speaking of beer, this pills is really good. It's really hitting the spot right now. See, last night we scheduled our first board game weekend with Zach and Sarah. 
So our friends are moving to Tulsa, which is about an hour and a half away from here, right? Uh, it's probably an hour 20, but yeah. So we scheduled our first board game weekend, and we were looking at our calendar last night trying to figure out when they should come over and stay with us. And part of me almost said, well, this week in March is spring break. That'll give us plenty of time. But then I realized we're not in school anymore. Yeah, spring break does not matter for any of us. I know. And I, was, I was like happy and sad at the same time because I don't have to worry about school. But at the same time, I was like, oh, my God, this is the first time in 20, probably 23 years of school that I'm not I don't have a spring break. It is kind of bittersweet because it's it's sweet. that We don't have anything to do, worry about with school. I don't have to read and write papers anymore. But it's kind of bitter because you don't get that week long break. You know, if you weren't working or were working part time, spring break was awesome was absolutely awesome, but it kind of sucks too because I liked learning about what my degree is in, and so it's kind of kind of sad not having that, given I could go do it now, but with the podcast and all the stuff I'm trying to do, I, I take up enough of my time with this. We should go ahead and schedule off spring break. That would be great, but if we're going to go to Gen Con later this year, which, note to you, listener, we're going to Gen Con again this year. Since we're going to go to Gen Con again, I, I don't think we can, vacation time-wise for me. Well, you did schedule off a week in January. So we were supposed to go to Branson with my family. Uh, we had a week in January scheduled off, and I think Delton forgot to unschedule himself off. Correct. I forgot that we weren't. I mean, once we decided we weren't going, I forgot I asked off at all. And so I didn't even do anything. But I still I mean, I didn't use the vacation time. You know, I would have had to email about that anyway. So for me, it was just I just showed up to work when I was scheduled off. So it works. Could have just milked that. I could have milked it, but. I need the time, the hours, the money, and then we need the vacation for Gen Con, so. Which is going to be a 10-day extravaganza. Yep, we're going to go through Memphis, go through Nashville, go through Louisville, Kentucky, hit Cincinnati, Ohio, so I can say I've been to Ohio, and then to Gen Con for four days of gaming. I'm going to throw this out to the listeners. I want you all to either tweet at us or email at us, and we'll give you that information at the end of the podcast. But uh, I always like to make our vacations in some way a business trip. That being said, for Gen Con, should I do a mental health and gaming exposition? Or should I get ordained in the state of Indiana and do weddings at Gen Con? Haley does have her uh, minister license. Actually has two of them of the company she's registered with. So she can do weddings at Gen Con, which would be cool. But she's also thought about being a therapist. She's also thought about doing a mental health and gaming event at Gen Con where people can buy, you know, I guess we would do a free one most likely, but come and listen in because the ones we went to last year, we had one that was still good, but it was two guys talking about their experiences with mental health and th things like that and how gaming helped them. The other one was just some lady talking about how she uses games with her autis autistic child, I believe. And there was just no science fact. It wasn't, you know, based in any truths. It was just her experience, which is not at all what we wanted. Right. So... I don't really know which one I want to do. I guess I could always do both, mm. but I just, I want to do something at Gen Con because I like, Delton and I have talked about this. He likes to go to events and watch. I like to go to events and experience. Yeah, it's like a music concert. Haley wants to go to like Bonnaroo and camp out and be part of the crowd and shower out of a Gatorade bottle filled with water and do that. I would rather go see the concerts I want to go to, and then go back to the hotel, take a shower, sleep in the hotel, go do some other stuff, come back for the other bands. So I'd rather watch it, stay out of the crowd if I can, and she would rather experience it. Plus, if we do something like that, I mean, part of my, you know, I have an LLC, and so I do 
freelance journalism type stuff, freelance writing. I don't know what you call the ogle. I do therapy, of course, and I do weddings. And so it would be kind of a business venture. It would be a way to maybe earn a little extra money while at Gen Con, a little more spending money for board games, and just a really cool tradition maybe I could keep up. You know, if I do a mental health and gaming thing and people remember it, maybe they'll come to me next year. Or if I do weddings at Gen Con, maybe, maybe people will come to it next year as well. They did have the, um, was it the Deadpool priest? Dead priest or whatever, priest pool? Yeah. I think it was. And he was walking around and he was doing, was he doing marriages or just like renewing vows? He was doing both and blessings. Yeah. So that was really neat. And Haley could do something like that um, as a character or not. Just be a person to say, hey, do you want to get married at, at Gen, Con Gen Con with a legit priest that's not dressed as a costume? I guess it depends on what you want. I don't really know. Like, part of me would want to dress up, but the other hand, just getting married at Gen Con would prob- probably be pretty cool. It would be really neat for a lot of people, I think. It would just be something we'd have to, like, heavily advertise beforehand. So, all y'all going to Gen Con or not going to Gen Con, or all of you listeners, send us an email, shoot us a tweet, tell us which one I should do, or if you have any other ideas that I could do. Face painting. Yes. We are open to most anything for that. She wants to do something, and I will sit back and help her out with it, so... Send us those recommendations or ideas. And enjoy the benefit of possibly making it a tax write-off. Tax write-offs are never, ever a bad thing. That's for sure. Okay, so I think we should move into the game now of the episode, just so we can move it forward a little bit, because that way we don't run too long, because our last episode with Brian was very long. Yeah, but it was very fun. You got to hear my John Cena music impression. For a quick second, ruining everything. Yes, we did. Da-da-da-da! Oh my gosh, okay. Anyway... As you hit your glass on the mic stand. <laughs> uh, Damn, Gina, you already finished your beer. I did. Well, you talked a lot, which was good. Uh, fight me. I'm not saying it was a bad <laughs> thing, but while you were talking, I was drinking. Now, while I'm talking, you're drinking. So it works out. Anyway, I guess for now, we will go ahead and move into the game of the episode. I still don't know what we're going to call this transition or this segment. So I'll just say that we're going to pick up some pieces and we're going to patch them together and stitch them where we need to for this game. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So what are we talking about today? So today's game is one of our all-time favorites, which is patchwork. Uh, will you grab it for me off the shelf? I will. So while she's getting up to grab that, probably making some noise in the process, because that's just how recording works. Because my legs hurt. If you heard that, she said because her legs hurt, she's been working out. So Patchwork is one of of our favorite two-player games. It is a game produced by Mayfair Games. That's the company designed by famed designer Uwe Rosenberg. He's of Agricola fame, Caverna fame, Cottage Garden, A Feast for Odin. He does a lot of Euro-style games, which are very um, mathy. You know, they're not super, super thematic, but they're very good. I'd just like to point out that Mayfair Games liked my tweet the other day, so basically I'm a celebrity now. Exactly. And Mayfair, this is actually through Lookout Spiel, or Lookout Spiele, which is an Australian. I believe it was Australian. See it over here? And Mayfair prints all their stuff. It's that blue logo on the left. Oh my gosh. And she hit her face on the mic stand, everyone. Ah, applause. That's a German company, it says. Lookout Spiele. Well, it used to be Australian. Australian or Austrian? Australian. I believe. I could be completely wrong here. Anyway, Mayfair Games put this game out. If you say anything with enough confidence, people will believe you. That's true. Well, I am confident that it's Uwe Rosenberg because the name's right here. The artwork in this game is my personal favorite board game artist, which is Clemens Franz. He's a, I believe, a German artist as well. 
If he's not German, he's Austrian, but I think he's German. I love Clemens Franz. He did Agricola. He does this game. He does Isle of Sky. He does a lot of the games. I just love his stuff. The graphic design is also by Clemens Franz, as well as it says Adelier198. I am not sure who that is, but those are the those two are graphic des- graphic designers, Clemens Franz as artist and Uva Rosenberg as designer. I want to make sure that we start pointing these things out because it is very important for this industry that we have good artists, good designers, and that is something that I want to make sure to include. And good people promoting them and playing them. Exactly. We just got to make sure this hobby is good and inclusive. Any of you out there that think somebody should not be involved in this hobby, then you should not be involved in this hobby. That's my personal opinion. Burn! So, inclusive gaming. Uh, I'm going to get off that soapbox now, which was very short. Anyway, Patchwork. Amazing two-player-only game. If you have played a game called Baron Park or Uwe Rosenberg's other game, Cottage Garden, it's very similar. It is a Tetris-style game where you are building a quilt, which is hence the name Patchwork. That's where that comes from. In the game, you set these patches, which are tiles, in different arrangements, just like Tetris blocks. There can be a straight line of two, a straight line of four, an L of two one way, three the other, and there's all kinds of different shapes. Well, they also have buttons on them. The way the game works is you each have a piece on the little tracker. Now, the tracker keeps track of time. You have five buttons to start and a little nine by nine board. When you buy one of those Tetris-style pieces, which is a patch for your quilt, Those pieces have a button cost, so the buttons are your money as well as points at the end, but they have a button cost to purchase it, then they have a time value. So if you buy a piece that is worth two buttons of value to buy, and it has four time, you pay the two buttons to place it on your board, then you move your piece four spaces on that time track. What that does is allow you to, the bigger pieces you buy, or the more expensive pieces you buy, or the more valuable pieces, push you further along the time track. Now what happens is the other player that's behind you, they can, oh my God, Haley hit the stand again. This stand, this is not, (laughs) this stand is just not in a convenient place. And not for you, apparently. That's hilarious. That's with the glass though, not your glasses and head this time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that time, whoever's in the lead has to stay there. Whoever's in the back, um, whoever is furthest back which basically is two players, so the other player gets to buy pieces and take their turn up until they surpass the lead player. So if I'm on space four and Haley's on space zero, she can buy a piece that only moves her three time. She then gets another turn because I'm still ahead of her on the track. So that's a really nice mechanic because one other thing that can happen is if I buy a piece that pushes me really far on the track, Haley can, instead of buying anything on her turn, she can take her piece and move it one ahead of mine, gaining one button for every place that she goes over. So however many spaces that is. Make that money. Yes, and it gives you money to be able to purchase things, which is nice. Now, the buttons on these pieces are your income. If you have a piece on your board that has one button depicted, not the button that is uh, labeled as the cost, which is on a little tag, a button that looks like it's sewn onto the piece. If you have one of those, any time on that time track, you pass the little, you jump um, between two spaces. Periodically, there is a button image. When you pass over that, you get to take income dependent upon how many buttons are shown sewn into the patches on your board. So if you buy pieces that are, have a lot of buttons on them and you pass a button, you can be the game we played today. I think I was bringing 16 buttons at a time. So that's a lot. That's a very high amount of buttons. So that's really interesting. So You're buying pieces, moving time on the track, collecting buttons as income, 
And every once in a while, if you are the first one to pass a certain spot, you get a patch that's a one-by-one little bitty square to fill in gaps. That's also a critical, critical piece in uh, being able to fill in your board. The game also levels out quite a bit because the pieces that have the most buttons, which get you the most income, generally make the time go by longer. So, for example, it might give you three buttons of income, but it pushes you along eight spaces. And so that gives the other person plenty of time, quote unquote, to get more pieces to kind of make up for what you just bought. Yes, and then some of the pieces that have no buttons are extremely cheap, but being that they are so large and take up so much space on your board, they can be uh, a lot of time to sew in, which is also another, you know, kind of trade-off there. One thing I will also mention is your board is a 9 by 9 so that's what, 49 spaces? Is that right? 81, sorry, I'm dumb. <laughs> I'm a moron, again, a moron. No, it's, you're not, you're too cute. It's fine. So the spaces you do not have covered on your board are worth minus two per space at the end of the game. So even though you want those small pieces that have a lot of buttons, you need some big ones to cover ground or else you're going to end up having a negative score, which has happened a ton of the time. Uh, a large amount of the time for me, I come out negative. Except that today, you didn't come out negative today. I was very proud of you. I won today, which was amazing. That is a feat. That is a championship. I need a new championship belt just for the two-player games. That's for sure. Basically, I hand Delton's butt to him almost every time we play this game. A lot. It's because I'm a quilter. I guess so. But it's a really very, uh, very, very good game. It's easy to learn. It's easy to play. The rule book is nothing to get through. It's so short. There's like three pages, and each page only has, you know, maybe 10 or 12 sentences at most. So it's a very simple rule book, simple game to play. It's very strategic, though. You have to think, okay, if I buy this piece, um, the way it works is I know I mentioned that the patch pieces are laid out in a big circle around that time track on the board. There is a little pawn that goes in a certain starting position on that circle. You, in clockwise direction, can only buy from the first three patch pieces that are available in front of that pawn. So if you buy the first piece, it moves up to where that was, and then the next three are available. So you kind of have to think, okay, well, if I buy this piece, then she can, Haley, if I buy one piece, Haley can then buy the one I want later. So if I don't buy a piece and I jump ahead of her to get uh, more buttons, she then, if she's going to, will buy a piece and then leave me the one I want available. So there is a little bit of strategy to what you're doing when you buy and when you jump. Uh, that really helps give you more to think about. It really is very strategic for as simple as the game is. It really is. And it's a great two-player game. I mean, it really just is a two-player. There's no other, like, there's no way to make it a three or four-player, really. No, not at all. Um, I read something online from the Brothers Murph. You should look them up on Twitter. They're awesome. But the Brothers Murph had a thing where they said if they want to play a very cutthroat two-player, they'll play Patchwork. Because it does feel cutthroat. That game can make you very angry at times. It is one of those games that your decision and their decision directly interacts with each other. If you want a piece and they buy it, you're just out of that piece, and you might not have anything to fill that space on your board. Uh, one more thing about filling spaces before I finish this thought. If you're the first one to make a full 7x7, seven seven, you get something worth 7 points for the end of the game. So that can be a strategy, is I just want a 7x7 seven seven as fast as possible. Then we'll move on. Anyway, the Brothers Murph said if you want a cutthroat game, play Patchwork. If you want a more relaxing game of a similar style, you can play Baron Park, which is another game. I think it's from... It's from Mayfair. Is it May? I thought it was May Day. No, it's from Mayfair because we Mayfair. played it at the Mayfair booth at Gen Con. Yes, it's another Mayfair game. I don't believe it's Uva Rosenberg, though. I think it's somebody else. Um, but it's also really good, but that's for another time. 
but Patchwork is good. It's one of our favorites. It's short and easy to learn. Um, I hope my description here has not been too ridiculous, but it's a fun game. It really is, especially whenever you win 90% of the time. And that's going to lead us straight into our topic of this episode. Before we get into that topic, do you want to pour our other beer? We will. So right before the topic, we are going to pour this beer. This is from a company called Dogfish Head. Now, Dogfish Head is out of Delaware. They are one of our favorite companies. We just got them in Oklahoma last year when our rules were changing. This is the Dogfish Head Namaste White. It is a Belgian-style wit beer, or Witbier, however you're going to say it. It is a Belgian-style white. Um, it's, ooh, it actually has a description. Our Belgian-style white ale, brewed with dried organic orange flesh and peel, fresh-cut lemongrass, a bit of coriander, peppercorns, and a healthy dose of good karma. Ooh, fancy. 4.8% uh, alcohol by volume and delicious. Dogfish Head will always have a special place in my heart. Always. Because Delton watched a documentary about Dogfish Head before we were even engaged. And when we went to Rhode Island, which was my graduation trip that ended up being our engagement trip because Delton proposed our first day there, uh, we had searched all over to find Dogfish Head. And we actually tried it there. Uh, we found a liquor store where we got probably four or five different kinds of Dogfish Head, including the uh, 180 minute IPA. 100, 120 minute IPA. 120 minute IPA. Uh, which, unbeknownst to me, until I drank the entire bottle, is 15 to 20% alcohol in one bottle of beer. But this company will always be special to me because it's what I drank on my engagement trip. And so every time I drink it, I just think about Rhode Island, think about that trip, and think about the day that Delton decided he would be stuck with me forever. It was a very good trip. I really liked Providence and going to Cape Cod and Massachusetts was fun. But Dogfish Head is awesome. They're a great beer company. Uh, we do have that attachment to them, which kind of gives us not really nostalgic feelings, but in general, it taps into the emotion. It gives me nostalgic feelings. Is literally yeah. every time I drink a Dogfish Head, because we didn't get it for so long in Oklahoma. So for the last three years, we didn't have it. Um, I mean, last three years since I've tried it for the first time. So we would only get it when we went on vacation together. So we went to Colorado. We tried it when I went to Vegas. I had it. But we didn't get it into Oklahoma until last year. Now, still, whenever I buy it, even though it's at the liquor store right behind my house, which is too convenient. Still, every time that I drink it, I think about that trip, and it makes me very happy. Yes, it is. It's definitely a happy beer, and it doesn't help that it's delicious, which makes you even more happy as you drink it. So that's yeah. really good. And it has a cute bottle with a little fish on it. Yes, it, well, it's not a fish. It's a shark, which is terrifying, but... That's another conversation for another day. Oh, no, we should have that conversation about speaking nope. of the trip. Nope. Speaking of our engagement nope. trip. When we went on our engagement trip before that, Delton had been to three states. He had been to Oklahoma, Texas, and New Mexico, where there is no ocean. So this was Delton's first time to see the ocean. At Cape Cod in Massachusetts, up in Provincetown, the very, very tip, that was where we actually got into the ocean. So Delton... Before the trip, he looked up shark sightings, and in 10 years, there had been three shark sightings at Cape Cod. No, they said that there was one about every quarter right now, given we were also there in like August and the water was like 50 degrees, but they had still happened. Dang it. That happened. So we go out about waist deep in the water, and Delton takes off screaming. And so I chase after him, and he goes, something touched me, something touched me, something touched me. It's a jellyfish, it's a jellyfish. It was seaweed. So we wade back into the water about waist deep. And I said, Delton, the seaweed is fine. There's no jellyfish here. It's too damn cold for jellyfish. Come on out. So he goes back waist deep in the water. And before I know it, he turns around. He's running back out of the water again. 
screaming that something touched him when it was jelly, not jellyfish, seaweed. I don't do well in the ocean. I think of all things in this world that terrify me, it is being in the water where at 180 degrees in front of you, you see nothing but water. You don't know what's in the water. You don't know how deep the water is. I cannot handle it very well, which we immediately found out. But it did not help that that water you can't see. You can see down a few feet when you're standing in it, but the minute you start to get out where you have to like float, it's just dark, and I cannot take that. It is terrifying. You can definitely see where H.P. Lovecraft got his inspiration for Cthulhu coming out of the water. Because the ocean's terrifying. It is horrifying. I'm going to stop this conversation. Let's get to that topic. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic of this episode, coming off of Patchwork, is since Haley wins 90% of the time, the topic is how do you have fun with a game that you lose 90% of the time? How do you handle it? How do you keep playing that game and enjoying it? Because honestly, it can be frustrating at times. I lose more often than I win, so it definitely affects me more than it does Haley, and I also get frustrated when I win, or sorry, when I lose. So, you know, I'm kind of a sore loser, but not terrible. But it is something that I have to work with, and it's very hard to keep playing games and having fun when you can never win them. See, you lose 90% of the time at Patchwork. I lose 90% of the time at number nine. But I think the difference between you and me is that whenever I lose, I see it as a challenge. And so I have to overcome it. So I want to play number nine over and over and over and over and over again. What, we've had 25 plays with Patchwork or uh, number nine? I think, I think 22. I think we're at 22 right now. We've had 22 plays, and I've won three times. Every single time I played with Delton. So I don't win, but what would that be? 15% of the time? I don't know. Something small. So very small. But I just love the challenge of number nine because I can't win. And so it just makes me excited and I want to play it again because I have to win. Have to try and win. But I don't get as frustrated, I think. I think I just frame it differently. Well, that's one of the things, too, is that I... It's not that I view it as not a challenge. It's not that I don't see that and say, okay, here's my hurdle and I have to overcome that hurdle. The only problem is, yes, it's a hurdle, but when you trip over the hurdle and you trip over the hurdle and you trip over the hurdle, pretty soon your palms and knees are all scraped up and you don't want to stand up and try again. And so for me, exactly. So for me, for me, it tends to get to the point of where I'm so just beaten and downtrodden from this experience that I don't want to try again to end up in the same place. It's kind of like playing video games. And if you keep losing at a level, so let's say a video game some of our viewers might know, Dark Souls, one of the hardest video games in existence. Everything will kill you. The easiest enemy will kill you if you're not careful. That game presents the challenge of, okay, I'm going to try this boss. All right, I kind of figured it out. I'm going to try a little bit better. And you keep doing it. But after a certain point when you've got it figured out, but you just can't accomplish it, it gets extremely frustrating and it's hard to have fun. And sometimes with that, which is this is going to be my first answer to how to have fun with a game that you keep losing, step away, play something else, do something else, take a week, take two weeks, take a month, whatever you need before you come back to it to give it another shot and come back to it with a more open mind of flesh slate, flesh slate, I'm dumb, (laughs) fresh slate, you know, clean the palette out and just go for it from there and kind of start over. I think that's good advice. And that's what, that's a very therapist advice too. Like whenever you get angry at something, instead of keeping instigating it, you step away. For example, a treatment, I guess you'd say, or a technique that we use in couples counseling is never couples fight all the time. Whenever they sense a fight coming on, we have them set a 15 minute timer 
and go to opposite rooms. After that 15-minute timer goes off, then they're allowed to get back together and fight. And the majority of the time, couples lose the desire to fight after that. Because what happens is your emotions, your frustration, your anger lasts from 20 to 30 minutes. That's about as long as the emotion can last, like sustain that emotion. Now, sadness is different. Sadness can last about, oh, about 32 to 48 hours. Like being completely sad, like not getting out of that emotion, you can be sad for up to 48 hours. Anger, on the other hand, the most you're going to stay angry is 30 minutes, and that's it. So generally with most people, whenever you're having a fight with your spouse, you don't get to that 30-minute anger. You get to maybe about 10 to 15-minute anger, but that's whenever you get into that fight, it sustains that anger. So we set a 15-minute timer. After 15 minutes, you're able to come together and fight, and generally at that time, you're not as angry, you don't fight. And so it's the same thing. Whenever you get frustrated with that game, if you step away, then you're able to kind of calm down a bit and come back at it with a fresher mind. That makes a lot of sense. And that's exactly how I handle it. I handle video games that way. I mean, the other day I was playing Rocket League and I, I was almost at the point of throw my controller angry and I just turned it off. I walked away. I came back here and I started practicing video editing. It's one of those things. I had to step away, go do something that I enjoy, something I find a challenge and fun, but it isn't something I have necessarily can fail at. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay, I had to do that and calm myself down. And then I played some more that evening and everything was fine. But it's just one of those things. You have to step away sometimes and just take a break. And that's okay. And everyone around it needs to be, I mean, I know it could be frustrating sometimes, but if you notice that maybe someone in your game group is getting really frustrated because maybe they haven't won the last three games, maybe they're that person and they want to win, just take a break. Maybe take a 30-minute break and you all get snacks or run down the street and get a pop or an ice cream and come back then people come back with a different emotional state and maybe more open to play another game. That's something I have to learn on game nights is we don't have to play one game immediately, play another game, and then go to the next game and then play that one twice and then go to the next one, one after another after another. I always have to think about it. Okay, not everybody else is as gung-ho about gaming as I am. And you, you've caught up a lot in my, to my gung-ho-ness. Oh yeah, I want to play Patchwork again. We just played it like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> right. And so that's something that I have to work on is calming down, letting everybody take a snack, take a break, take a snack, get a snack, take a break. I can't talk today and kind of spread that out a little bit. And I tend to make those game days about gaming, not about the social interaction. Like gaming comes first and the people come second when I need, probably need to start switching that. But that's a whole nother topic. But yeah, when you lose a game, like for me, it's stepping away. That's the easiest one. Another thing that I like to do is study the game go online and say, okay, what's, what's some of the big strategies here? What's, you know, what's something I can learn? I can take patchwork and I can look at the tiles and I can say, okay, well this tile and this tile fit together, which leaves me open for this tile potentially later, you know, and it's try different strategies too. A lot of times what I do is go for the big pieces that are cheap, that don't have buttons to fill as much space as possible, but then I don't get my income later and it ends up hurting me in the long run. So this game, I chose to go with buttons as quickly as I could while also trying to pick pieces that fit the best to keep it uniform. And it worked out for me. It was the first time I've been able to do that and actually come out ahead at a decent amount. We human beings like to find one strategy and stick to it. It's not only in games. It's like it's in our relationships with our friendships. It is with how we do schoolwork. We like to find a strategy and just stick with it. And so I think that board games are really good for helping with frustration tolerance. Like if you can make people change their strategies up which that could be a good topic for gen con is overcoming frustration tolerance and changing up your strategies boom and just approach it from a psychological perspective 
with ways to manage it and things like that. And yeah, that could be a great topic. And I think people would show up, even if it's only like five, that's still getting someone and potentially helping them, which is psychology's entire goal, especially you as a therapist. So that, that could be a very good one. Let me poke you in the brain. Exactly. So I think that pretty much wraps up that topic really well. Um, for the last part of the episode, before we finish our beers completely, we would like to do our question, which we've been doing. So let's move into the question of the episode. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special bite-sized question. So for the question today, we are going to basically take it off the rest of the topic of the episode. You know, the game and the topic. We're going to do something completely out of left field for this one just because we thought that would be fun to uh, differ from those. So today, we want to ask a good question, Haley. What board game world or universe or whatever you want to say would you want to live in for a single day just one day if you happened to die during that day you just would be sent back out early so your day would be cut short so it's not like you would die in real life or anything like that what board game do you think you would want to go into can i talk about two because i have two that i would really like to try if you want to yeah i thought about saying patchwork but my life was already patchwork because i sew and i've literally taken like different pieces of fabric and like leftovers and make yeah, make that, quilts before. That little throw quilt on the couch is exact representation of this. Yeah. But I think for one, I'd like to try out Santorini. Just be able to be a little god just using my powers to say Aphrodite. Aphrodite making people follow me around while I build towers and basically just trying to outsmart the other one. There's no killing, there's no harming the other one. You're just trying to outwit the others. And it's light and it's fun. That would be a really fun one. Very abstracted, but building those buildings uh, like the island of Santorini, it'd be gorgeous. So you would just have a good time all day just kind of playing around. And I'd be so cute in a little toga, I think. Would you be a chibi as well with a big head? I sure would be a chibi. I already got a big head. That's what my little client said. <laughs> I had a client I, who wanted to be honest with me. I said, that's fine. The little kid. And he says, you have a big head. And I said, all right, I'll take it. And that she doesn't really, but now I like to call her that, so it works. Fat head. I have a fat head. So I think that living in the Santorini universe would be so much fun. Should I go ahead and talk about my other one, or you want to talk about yours, and I'll talk about my last one? I'll talk about mine. And now that I'm looking at the shelf, it's really hard. But I think, mainly because we played it today, this is really influencing me. Um, we played Century Gollum Edition, which Century, Century Spice Road's the normal. This is the special one that was convention exclusive. That but, we got the signature from, was it Emerson? Matsuchi. Matsuchi. Yep, the day, the first day of Gen Con. But they are bringing it out to uh, retail. So if you look it up, Century Gollum Edition, G-O-L-E-M, Gollum, not you. Uh, it's very awesome artwork. By the way, Emerson was such a nice fellow. Like, we waited in line to get that board game, I know. But whenever we asked for his signature, he was so grateful. He was so nice. He talked to us about the game. He was just a really nice fellow. I know our interaction was very short. But he seemed to be open and happy and shaking everybody's hand. He was just very glad that people came out to support him. And, I don't know, he's just a nice guy. So I say buy his game. Oh, yeah, definitely. Buy either version. But the Century Gollum Edition, the reason I like it over the normal is instead of cubes, they're gems. And instead of just being a market trader where you're trading spices, the world is built around golems. And so they're these big rock golems that they put these gems into to power them. So the artwork is amazing. I mean, I could just imagine being in a world where you're collecting gems and trading them and trying to come out on top to be able to purchase these golems 
that are giant stone people with somehow an essence or a soul from these gems. And they're so neat. Like the artwork is amazing. And just being around these golems that are peaceful and just kind of do work and live their lives would be, I think, just be a fun, relaxing day out and about with some giant rock golems. This giant stone teddy bears. And the big tree one. I think there was a tree one, too. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of different ones, but it would be really cool. Uh, What was your second game? My second one takes a complete left turn. It would be to be in the Arkham Horror universe. Just whenever we went to Providence and walking around where H.P. Lovecraft walked around, like Brown University, just walking around where he did and taking the inspiration from the area that he took to create a lot of his famous stories, like the Cthulhu stories. I can't speak. It would just be so neat to be immersed in that universe. To It's not only the Providence or the Arkham, quote unquote, which is the town that he made up that was kind of based on Providence. It's not only living in that, but living in H.P. Lovecraft's mindset, the eeriness all around and the constant worry that you're going to go mad and trying to solve something before darkness takes over. I just think it would be so invigorating to be able to be in that environment and to live that for a day. Just a day because I don't want to go insane. I'm probably already almost there, which is fine. <laughs> but I just think it'd be so cool as long as, you know, even if we did see Cthulhu and we went mad, that would just be awe-inspiring and amazing because whenever you read H.P. Lovecraft's writing, it just sounds terrifying but awe-inspiring at the same time. And so it'd be neat to just be able to live that for a day and solve mysteries, which is cool. It would be very, very terrifying to be in that world. But that's also a very good answer. I just, I loved Providence. And I know the Arkham's based on that. And so to have the combination of Providence and H.P. Lovecraft's mind would be just really neat. Oh, yeah. I mean, that town is really cool. If you ever get a chance to go to Providence, go walk around Brown University. It's really neat. Go to the observatory. I cannot think of the name of it, but the observatory, we didn't get to go in. It was closed, but we got to stand outside of it and check it out. That was awesome. And then even though we didn't get to go into the cemetery where H.P. Lovecraft's grave and headstone is, it's just an awesome walk. The city is old. It's just really neat. The cemetery was cool. The old houses were awesome. I mean, they don't have fire hydrants. And so they have these old poles on the street that you go over and it's a fire alarm and it would call the fire department who would come and bring a tanker full of water. And that was their source. Like it just it screams 1600s, 1700s, you know. Can you imagine getting a fire truck up those streets? I mean, we are in a 2014 Velocitor trying to make it up those streets. I mean, and we didn't have much luck. Can you imagine trying to get a fire truck up those old streets? Yeah, the Hyundai Veloster on some of those streets that are like, I mean, way more vertical than any street should ever be. I had to floor it to get that thing to go up to the little park we went to. It was crazy. But anyway, Providence is really cool. I think Arkham isn't Arkham Horror is a great game for that. And plus, you love the 1920s. And that game is pretty much based around the 1920s style and everything. There's always a flapper and there's always some dude with a top hat and a trench coat with two pistols and stuff. So it's just entertaining. A gangster. Basically, yes, an old style gangster. I don't think I really have a second game that I could throw in since you did two. It's very hard to think about. I might just say Battlestar Galactica because I love the show. And because you're a giant nerd. Yeah, and I'm a giant nerd. So that would be really fun. I think everybody mostly knows that. Humans trying to escape robots that look like humans. It would be tense. It would be spacey. It would be very cool just to live there and work on the Galactica and stuff. So I really like that. But after talking about those, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. So thank you for listening to episode seven. We are super excited to be at episode seven. And uh, we're moving along really quickly. This is a lot of fun. 
It's been a lot of fun. I love making these episodes, so I really hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy the episode, please let us know. We are on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We also have an email. Our email is contact at malthousegames.com. On Twitter and Facebook, we are at Malthouse Games. That is M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. Just like, share, subscribe. Give us a rating on iTunes. Just look us up. Check us out. You know, get in touch with us. We like talking to people. I love meeting new people online and hopefully at conventions or something later. So we would really appreciate that. My personal Twitter and Facebook is Delton Brack. It's just my first name, last name. So that's nice and easy. Haley, what's your Twitter handle? S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is Squirrely Geek. Just look us up and we really would like to hear from you. We're nice people, I think. We try to be at least. We might drink a little bit, but that's okay. We like to play games, so we can talk about that at least. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it works. But I guess that wraps up the episode. So until next time, sit back, relax, have a drink, and play some games. Thank you. We'll see you guys later. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.